the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back as we head into hour two. Delight to have with us Arizona's first congressional district U.S. Congressman David Schweikert. How are you, David? I am fine. I'm actually in one of the like, 1920s phone booths behind the floor of the house because I, I control the next half an hour on the floor. Oh, so wonderful. If all of a sudden I hang up on you, it's because they, they, they threw the clock at me. All right. Well, we'll be we'll be sensitive to that. Um I was looking forward to talking to you because of the CPI report that's out. I don't yeah. know how you spin it. Um, prices are still nearly 20% higher than when Joe Biden took office. Oh, very much so. Matter of fact, I'm enraged. The Democrats are on the floor of the House. Um, Sandy Hoyer telling how wonderful their spending has been for America. Yet Americans are poorer today than they were a couple of years ago. And particularly those of us in the Phoenix Scottsdale area. You know, unless you are making about 20 plus percent more today than you did 24 months ago, you are poor today. And that's because we're in one of the epicenters in North America of inflation. And, and get, yeah, go ahead. And, and, and look, um, you want to understand why people are cranky. Um, let's be honest. The working middle class is is poorer today than they were two years ago, but they're also poorer today in sort of purchasing power and other things. When you normalize, yes, we had the great, you know, recession and those, but if you normalize, um, wages just haven't kept up and people have the right to be cranky. Yeah. It's, it seems as if everything is getting harder, you know, everything's just becoming more difficult and a lot of it has to do with the uncertainties about things. But one of the certainties that people do know is that their money goes less far than it did. They are making less, substantially less. They are having a harder time paying for things. I was just talking with uh, a, a mutual friend of ours uh, in the previous uh, hour, and we were talking about a cost we didn't see coming. All of a sudden hit us, hit us once here. Auto insurance, my God, it went up like 40%. Yeah, but but think about what does it cost? Have you repaired something on your home lately? Yeah, that too. Have you actually repaired something on your car lately? That too. That too. Um, new car costs. I mean, at some point, insurances are a function. Um, now, you're going to see some weird mixed things. Um, one of the things we're very concerned about is the number of business bankruptcies over the last 12 months hitting like a 12-year high. And what we're starting to see is because of these much higher interest rates, a lot of companies that actually had always fairly tight margins no longer make it anymore because they can't finance. You can't finance the business at nine percent and have a three percent margin. You know, it's just these uh, many of these organizations aren't working anymore. And and you start to add in, and, and I think part of the anger and frustration you know I have in so many is you get preached at by the Democrats right now saying, be grateful. We're spending all sorts of money building new clean energy factories. Aren't you happy? You know, we're giving away billions and billions. They're giving away hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. Actually, they're giving away a couple trillion dollars to big business around the country to make things that there's no workers for the facilities and there's almost no customers for the product. 
And it's this incredible arrogance that now the Republicans have taken over only the House. We don't control the Senate or the White House, obviously. And um, it's just a battle every day because the, the press has gone loony. Um, you, if you could hear the questions I get asked when walking down the hallway, it, it would curl your toes. What are the I mean, it's interesting as as this inflation report comes out, um, you can find the news. I mean, if you go to CNBC mm-hmm. or The Wall Street Journal, you can find news about it. You listen to shows like this. It's a funny thing, though, that the papers are all over the place talking about the potential of Republicans shutting down the government. Do you have a sense of where that debate is headed right now, David? Not as, as well, a participant so much as an observer. All right. Well, let, let's do three three things here. Um you know, we had a major um, 30-year bond auction today that went out at the very top of the range, you know, and what we sold. So it means interest rate expectations are on the high end. Inflation, um, you need to do some adjustments for fuel costs. Fuel costs popped up, but it turns out people have to buy food and fuel. And so um, now there's a prediction on Bloomberg right now that there may have to be at least another rate hike, maybe even before the end of this year. Okay. completely different. So watch some market instability, particularly in the stock market. And one of the frustrations we have is the founding fathers only gave us two real levers in the House of Representatives. Oversight, you get to find out when bad acts are happening in the administration. Oversight, investigation. I chair one of those committees. Yeah. And appropriation, right. the power over taxation, the power over appropriations. And we're borrowing, I think over the last 12 months, seventy-two, $73,000 a second. Yep. Every dime members of Congress voted on last year, every dime we had votes on is now on borrowed money. Because the borrowing now exceeds what we call discretionary. All defense, all of government, as you think about, is now on borrowed money, plus a couple hundred billion dollars. And the press loses its mind when we're trying to push saying, Guess what? We got to find some things to cut. No, you can't do that. We need to spend more money because that's what all the lobbyists are lined up in the hallways. Washington, D.C. has become exclusively about the money. Everyone's lined up here wanting more money. Will it take something like a supermajority, and you will correct me to say the right supermajority, to get our arms around some of the mandatory spending that seems to be so crushing and so unable to be touched um, and dealt with? The, 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 the mandatory is more complex because most of mandatory, we're talking Social Security and Medicare yep, mostly. Right. Those are promises. We made a societal promise to people. You pay your 40 quarters, you get the Social Security. In functionally eight, nine years, the average couple in America will get a $17,200 cut in their Social Security check we will double we will double senior poverty functionally in nine years but the president made it very clear in his state of the union we're not allowed to talk about social security and medicare um the argument here is are there things you could do to bend the cost of health care i mean really bend it because health care is the primary driver of u.s debt and the I, i will argue the political class has lied to the voters for so many years. It's waste and fraud. It's foreign aid. Okay, foreign aid is 12 days of borrowing. Mm-hmm. Are the Democrats, if you just get rid of the Social Security cap, you know, the $162,000, uh, $160,200, just tax everyone over that, 
it only covers about 20% of the shortfall. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and so I'm going to go on the floor in a couple moments and just rip, um, A, how dangerous the borrowing is. It's off the charts, but no one wants to talk about it because everyone's here for the money. Mm-hmm. And then the second thing is the Democrat proposals to fix it are frauds. They're absolutely mathematical frauds. Well, uh, when it go, when you, when you give this speech, make sure I get a cut. Co- well, I'll, I'll probably find it on YouTube. You've, yeah. you've become quite a YouTube sense. You've become a YouTube influencer, David. Down. You've become a yeah. YouTube influencer. Look, in some ways, that gives me some hope for society. Yeah. Maybe voters, maybe hardworking Americans are tired of being lied to and now actually want to see real math because we pander. You got to understand. Go home, go home tonight and turn on MSNBC and survive it for five minutes, and then go watch whatever Fox or anything. much of what you see up there is to entertain you, is to keep draw you in. But no one's going to sit and walk you through. If you plan to retire in the next several years, the danger this Congress, this government is doing to your future, and we're all we're basically also screwing over our kids. Mm-hmm. And, and sorry, I've had a lot of caffeine today. It's okay. I'm shockingly angry because I did a presentation to our entire conference. Not a single question, not a single person wanted to hear um, about how the numbers in just six weeks went upside down. We yeah. are about to borrow about uh, 120% more than we predicted we were going to borrow this year. Wow. Wow, a hundred and twenty over a hundred percent more than what we predicted. Yeah, and, we're, we're going to go in at maybe a two one two point two trillion borrow. <sighs> it means, and we were predicting like eight seventy wow. a year ago. Wow, the, these numbers are huge, but you need to understand the bottom has fallen out. Yeah, just no one has figured out um, where when we hit the ground. Meanwhile, if you're a working American, you are poorer today than you were last year and the year before that. That's the that's the sad truth. That's the sad truth. Yeah. All right, go give them hell, David. Your nickel's about running out anyway. I hear the I hear the chiming. All right. All right, Take brother. Care, Seth. Be good. All right. Bye I'm now. Seth you bet. I'm Seth Leibson, six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero. We'll be right back. Are global leaders developing solutions that promote freedom and quality of life, or are they creating problems, enforcing solutions that only benefit the elite? Midas Gold Group believes it's the latter. From draconian COVID restrictions, the decimation of small businesses, and changed election laws, Midas believes your finances will be next. Under the guise of protecting you, you'll get monetary expansion, national debt, and reduced purchasing power, and their central bank digital currency will virtually eliminate your savings and purchasing privacy. The answer? Convert a portion of your savings or IRA to physical gold and silver. Precious metals are a private currency. They've been used to store wealth throughout history. And thousands of you have trusted the veterans at Midas Gold Group because they fight for your financial freedom and privacy. Trust the only precious metals dealer that Seb Gorka and I do. And call the Midas Gold Group at 480-360-3000. That's 480-360-3000. Or check them out online at MidasGoldGroup.com. MidasGoldGroup.com. All right, Mr. Dahl, you have a few things to update us on. First of all, let's uh, let's steer people to your Instagram page if they want to see <laughs> delectability. Oh, my gosh. Yes? Yes. Tell, tell people what your Instagram uh, 
uh, handle is? My Instagram handle is answer the call with doll. Answer the call with doll. And they will see you making a. We discussed this on Friday. I know, I but it's art. The video up and posted it's great. it yesterday. It's, uh, it's a great my video. Osobuco made with beef, which you said was not an Osobuco. Yeah, no, it's all but right. After I, mean, I brought you, it you into the me. office today, folks, Seth was hungry. <laughs> you proved me wrong. It, that was a, that was artwork. That was real artwork. What you did, it looked just fantastic. Um, okay. Uh, take us from Italy to Las Vegas. Well, in the latest from my boyhood home of yep. Las Vegas, yep. um, a Russian-linked cyber group has hacked into MGM Resorts. This has hit Twitter this afternoon, and nobody is talking about it in the news media. A-P-L-P-H-V, also known as Black Cat, has uh, held the $33 billion company for ransom. Customers apparently on the floors of the casino are outraged at the fact that there are cash bars only because everybody has a credit card these days and nobody carries money anymore. And uh, the cyber group is still uh, working with MGM. And nobody is talking about it. I hate to be the guy that's beating the doldrum of Russia, Russia, Russia. It seems like the Democrats did that for four years in this country. But uh, when communists go and attack our American infrastructure, we need to be ready and warned because uh, next it could be Red China. You know, it's, um, it's, it's a fascinating thing that it isn't making more news because these are multi-billion dollar outfits. MGM, I mean, I don't know what they're – I mean, they must be they, – they, they must be a – $20 billion operation at, at, at minimum, and to hijack them for ransom uh, and their customers for ransom, you would think would be a huge story. And the kind of thing that actually does make us take these things seriously, when it hits that kind of institution, maybe it wakes up Americans if they learn about it. I don't know why they're not being, um, why that isn't bigger news today, except I guess Las Vegas isn't considered a major news center, but it should be. Um the issue of blaming Russia or the Russia Russia. Well, listen, when they're guilty, they're guilty. We have no problem, you know. Ass- <clears throat> excuse me, assigning offense and guilt when it comes from there. Uh, we don't need to be apologists for them. We just don't need to falsely accuse them. As I was saying in my in my monologue earlier, one of the interesting things about uh, the issue of misinformation or disinformation or interfering with an election is the Democrats only seem to be upset about it if it comes from Russia. Thus, they invent it and foist it on Russia. But when they themselves engage in it, as they did, and as American institutions did, with, for example, the 51 intelligence officials and the blaming of Russia uh, uh, for the story on the Hunter Biden laptop, they have no problem with it. it it's not the merits of mis information that seemed to bother them. It's the political direction of it. Now, this seems to have no political orientation to it. So I'm hoping maybe we can start taking some of this stuff seriously. It is a serious issue. Interesting news out of the Southwest generally. Not only uh, is that not making a lot of news, you were right to point out and scold me earlier for not raising the other issue out of the Southwest is Utah considered the Southwest? I think it is. Uh, maybe just the West. <laughs> just the West? Yeah. So Southwest is by definition what? Texas, New Mexico, and Arizona? And Nevada? Yes, I would probably call Nevada Southwest. But So uh, Utah doesn't get Southwest, just West. You yeah. might be right. 
I don't know. I, would, uh, I wouldn't it, even, that I, sounds I don't even right. know if Nevada is southwest, though. Well, you know what we'll be doing on the break. Looking this up and verifying yep. with our Google machines. <laughs> or Well, not our Google machines, but our, uh, our DuckDuckGo machines. <laughs> but anyway, the news out of Utah is that Mitt Romney will not be running for re-election. Well, it's about time. Yeah, that's the sigh of relief you hear for those that have heard that news. He's been uh, a senator for only one term. He says he won't run for re-election, which would be next year. Uh, it's interesting. Only one term. Uh, he is... He's such an odd curiosity, not just as a Republican, but as a political entity. We were talking to, uh, I think it was Tevi Troy, about him some some few months ago, and he said he's he's rarely seen a political elected official from either party who, it's hard to say, believes in anything. uh, What are this man's... What are this man's moorings? What are his groundings? It's hard to say, Um, except lately, of course, he's been known for anything that will hurt the Republican Party's uh, conservative uh, leadership. That's what he likes to buck. But, you know, the point that he believes in nothing is seen by just the trajectory of the kind of governor, the kind of candidate he was when he ran for Senate in Massachusetts against uh, Ted Kennedy, where he ran as a liberal Republican, and then the kind of candidate he was when he ran for governor of Massachusetts and won as a liberal Republican, and the kind of governor he left when he left the governor's office of Massachusetts when he was thinking about running for president, becoming a conservative, only to then become a chief critic of Donald Trump's, only then, once Donald Trump won, to try and see if he could become a member of the Trump cabinet. I believe it was Homeland Security he was looking at, if I'm not mistaken, uh, or possibly Secretary of State, only to then run for uh, for senator in Utah and only to do it for one term. Just an odd, odd man who seems to have no moorings and no impact no lasting impact whatsoever for all those engagements and for all those doings. Remember when he was sworn into the Senate? Bill will remember me pointing this out on his first day in office in uh, January 19. He tweeted out a picture of himself walking to his office with a with the twi- the Twitter message saying, "Let's do this!" Exclamation point. And I remember saying, "What?" Let's. What are you going to do? And it ended up he did nothing. It's a well, man as for a, stan- as a stands for nothing. Would like to nothing. say it seems like Senator Romney is blowing in the wind. There you go. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero. Uh, let's see. Where are we going to? Doug in Maricopa. Hello. Doug, how are you? I'm doing good, sir. Another really excellent show. Thank you. I really want to thank you for that. Every one of them is always inspiring and, uh, how shall I say, educational. Aw, thank you. You bet. You know, in in listening to um, your discussion with Rick, I think, as standard for Rick, he always brings up really good points. I was going to ask the question of you, and perhaps I should ask it another day. In other words, why would the liberals stop doing what they're doing and how? what will stop the progression that they're on? I don't see anything unless the strategy changes on our part. But 
<clears throat> then in listening to you and Rick, I started thinking in terms of, uh, you know, the, the lack of free speech or the attack on free speech and how the implications it has, because I think we're living in a very fascinating time in history. Um, you know, from my standpoint, a history buff, in that we are we are beginning to we're living through the first phases of the implementation of a tyranny, and uh, the you know and we're living on I don't know how close we want to say we are to the edge of something that can't be turned back on, but as the the suppression of free speech and the threatening of those that want to express uh, free speech. The second phase is beginning to be implemented, and that is the legal tyranny. And because uh, I was thinking about uh, Montesquieu, that he, he basically said there is no greater tyranny than that which is per, uh, perpetrated in the shield, um, under the shield of the law, and in the name of justice. But in order to get to that phase of tyr- implementing tyranny, <clears throat> you have to suppress free speech. You know, and so I was wondering what your thoughts were. Well, a few things. First of all, um, it's interesting that you um, you focus on this issue of Montesquieu and tyranny and no greater tyranny. Can you give it to me again? Do you have a handy? Or oh, from oh yeah, no, or I do. I, I I wrote it down okay. when I when I read it because yeah, I thought it was fine. so insightful. There is no greater tyranny than that which is perpetrated under the shield of the law and and in the name of justice. Because if I'm not mistaken, you gave me another tyranny quote some years ago from C.S. Lewis. Of all the tyrannies, a tyranny sincerely exercised for the good of its victims may be the most oppressive. Oh, don't! I was going to quote that later. <laughs> well, I'll let you because I didn't finish yeah. the quote. Yeah. Um, well, go go ahead because it is so powerful. C.S. Lewis is all right. Just uh, well, right you gave it to me. I, you know, I'm a big Lewis fan. I read a lot of them, and I, if I had read it, I didn't seize upon it, or I didn't remember it, or I had never read it. But of all tyrannies, a tyranny sincerely exercised for the good of its victims may be the most oppressive. Oppressive. Yeah. It would be better to live under robber barons than under. Omnipotent moral busybodies. Busybodies. Yeah, yeah, the robber baron's cruelty may sometimes sleep. His cupidity, greed, may at some point be satiated. But those who torment us for our own good will torment us without end, for they do so with the approval of their own conscience. And I think that is related to the Montesquieu point. Yeah. Yes, totally. And it really is. I, I got I to give you a compliment before you go any further, just so I don't forget. I'm a little feeble-minded today. But we have a, a a regular listener. You're not on Twitter, I take it. Maybe you are. Um, yeah. If you are, follow us, and we'd follow you back. But one okay. of one of one of our regular listeners early today wrote Seth Leibson. Your discussion with Doug from Maricopa on September seventh, hour one, was wonderful. I listened via podcast, and I thought that I had missed that your guest was a former congressman, senator, or government official. Then I realized a listener caller. What a thoughtful conversation. That's that was that was that was about you. Well, <clears throat> I would like to to say to that person that it is many of Seth's callers. I get so a lot of what I get excited about is by listening to other uh, other insights from other callers. 
you have a class of people interested in philosophical and uh, discussions, and it says it's a tribute to you as well. Well, you're a mensch. Do you want to take a break with me and come back and talk to me sure. more about tyranny? No, absolutely. Okay, thanks. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. We are talking with Doug, and we are having a conversation about tyranny. And we were yeah. trying to wed the kind of tyranny Montesquieu was describing with that which C.S. Lewis was describing. And that's probably a sentence that's never been uttered on talk radio. But anyway, Doug, take it away. <laughs> isn't, it, isn't it a delight? Yeah. And what I tend to do when I do a lot of reading is I'll, I'll write down the quotes as I bump into them. Yeah. These little dra- gems of poetic genius is just, it, you know, is so de- such a delight to read. I want to read something else because I just absolutely love Frederick Douglass because yeah. here is a man that had every excuse in the world uh, to be bitter, but yet he held on to our founding as the genius that would lead his people, yeah. you know, to the ultimate heights. And he's he, but it also ties into what we're talking about today. Okay, and that is liberty is meaningless, and that I want everybody to think about that. Liberty is meaningless where the right to utter one's thoughts and opinions has ceased to exist. That, of all rights, is the dread of um, tyrants. It is the right which they first of all strike down. Now, think about this. He uttered this 160 or 70 years ago, and think about what he just said. It is the first right which they strike down before other things begin to happen. And when you think about what the liberals and then have they've now progressed over 20 years into leftists, which is beyond liberalism, um, the very first thing they begin to strike down, and that's where political correctness is and wokeism, it is the suppression of opposing thoughts. It is the, it, you have to first clear the field of all other utterances and all other thoughts before you can march forward with the idiocies of the left, because it, they, it, the, left, the left's ideas tend to fall rather rapidly, whether in economics or biology or uh, political and spiritual, if there's an opposing viewpoint. And so that has to happen. And now they feel it's clear enough because everybody is scared enough and the establishment Republicans have backed off enough because you can see no matter what they do, most people stay pretty quiet. And now they can move forward with the most tyrannical legal warfare. And there's very minor utterances from the right. So this is the, the legal utter, the legal attack is the second phase after they begin to have cleared the field of most people. And they're, when they attack these high political people, their goal is not to attack them. It is to make the the average person scared to speak. Yeah. And, and and it is really, to me, it's a frightening phase where we're teetering right now. 
Yeah, interesting you brought up Frederick Douglass and the tyranny that he spoke of. You know, tyranny, the word itself, comes from tyrannos, meaning master in Latin. Interesting that Frederick Douglass Mm -hmm. would seize on that. You know, he was such a a wonderful autodidact, self-taught person, that uh, I, I would not be surprised that that he might have, if he if he in fact knew that and was 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 consumed by the issue of how master slave relationships don't just apply to the racial categories as they as mm-hmm. they did very obviously awfully and dramatically in his own life, uh, but the, consu- the the consumption he had with the notion of freedom generally and the freedom to speak, which is the freedom to read, which is the freedom right. to teach, obviously, right, right, right. 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 Yeah, you, you, you know, and it's so important. You can, if you are, if you don't have the freedom to challenge, you can't educate, like you said. Right. And 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 that is why the left wants to smash it. Yeah. Because, like I, I truly believe it. To me, it's it's never difficult to argue with the leftists about their ideas if you take the time to educate yourself. Because the ideas don't, um, they they look silly upon the light of intellectual debate, which is why they want to suppress it. You know, one of the, here's something, and I, I, when I was reading, and I forgot to write down who it was that uttered it, but it also kind of supports everything else we're talking about here, that the secret of freedom lies, it lives, lies in educating people, whereas the secret to tyranny is in keeping them ignorant. Yeah. And uh, we, we, we have spoken about that uh, on the show when you think about um, when you think about uh, some of the totalitarian efforts that were to go after the intellectuals. There is the story, of course, of Pol Pot grinding up glasses so they couldn't think or read for themselves. You had the Cultural Revolution, Mao's Cultural Revolution, which uh, d- destroyed history and rewrote it. Uh, and then rewrote it. You had, of yeah. course, the great book burnings, and uh, obviously the great book burnings that took place uh, in, in, in Germany. Uh, you had the suppression of the great writers and authors and any dissident in the Soviet Union. It, 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 it is the mark of a totalitarian or a tyrant to want to do that because individual thought— I mean, this is what—this is really what— um, Kurt Vonnegut is getting at and gets to in that wonderful, uh, if you haven't read it, short story, Harrison Bergeron. It's available online. If you haven't read it, it'll change your life. And you'll read it in 15 minutes. Harrison Bergeron is all it's called. You can go to the Internet and get it. But also, too, we need to think about the kind of society we make for ourselves that can lead to this stuff. I don't know if Hannah Arendt is taught much anymore but her book on totalitarianism opens up with quite a chilling description of how totalitarian movements arise. And she writes about, um, interestingly, uh, homelessness. She writes about root, root, rootlessness. That's her word. Homelessness and rootlessness. Um, an unpredictability in society uh, where political forces seem to follow no rules, and an abandonment of common sense that look like an embracement of, in her phrase, sheer insanity. That should chill us. That should, should chill us. Because totally. in, many po- in many ways, yeah, sure, we have government agencies and government entities that do that to us, but in many ways we're doing it to ourselves. 
Absolutely. And, and think, think about what we lived through with COVID. Yeah, right. The, the very first thing the government did was to enforce a tyranny beyond anything you can imagine. And take this, as Jane Fonda said, it was the gift to the left, Yeah, uh, COVID was. And they imposed totally arbitrary um, acts of tyranny you can't even imagine with um, restaurants of this this poor restaurant in, in Hollywood, California, being shut yeah, down. Yeah, and yeah but also the churches. Lot, yeah. And, yeah, churches. And the oh, the parking lot story was amazing. Open. So Hollywood actors yeah. could work in the outdoor. Yes, they, of course. They're working right. across the right, street, right, and right. she's shut down. Right. It's right. Just, it, it, you would expect that in, in, in Soviet Russia, but not in the United States. Well, that's States. the arbitrary rule of the tyrant that's and the totalitarian. the arbitrary total, rule. Yeah. And to show you how they could do that yep. is they shut down dissent. The, the sure. man who invented mRNA could not, he was not allowed to speak on Twitter and Google and um, because it was considered distance. I got to let you go there. Oh, sorry. Uh, But I'll pick up on it when we come back. If I can pick up from where uh, Doug left off with us, uh, just bringing it back from the ancient. They're considered moderns. (laughs) Modest U is considered a modern, but really ancient at this point uh, compared to... um, compared to C.S. Lewis or even closer, he brought it to COVID. I bet you didn't know this. Young David, did you notice? Did you know this? Did you know the CDC director is not a Senate-confirmed office or position? Hmm. Yeah, hmm, is right. Uh, Senator Ted Cruz is introducing has introduced legislation to make it so. Would that uh, bring it up to cabinet-level status? No. No, it doesn't have to be at all a cabinet level uh, status because a lot of a lot of appointments are are are, are uh, uh, require Senate confirmation that are not cabinet level. Uh, but one of the interesting things that come from this is a column by George Will, not often quoted here these days very much. But he said, if the current uh, director, the new director Mandy Cohen, were to face <coughs> Senate confirmation hearings. He had some questions for her. Question one, the Great Barrington Declaration was issued in October 2020 by eminent epidemiologists and publicly and public health specialists who dissented from federally encouraged and mandated pandemic mitigation strategies, commercial lockdowns, school closures, masking toddlers, etc. The Barrington Declaration authors like J. Bada. Charya and Sunetra Gupta and Martin Kuldar from Stanford, Oxford and Harvard universities, respectively, favored targeting protection for the most vulnerable, the elderly and those with comorbidities. This might have saved the six trillion dollars the government spent to resuscitate the economy after a government suffocated it and might have prevented a generation's learning loss. Question was not the Great Barrington Declaration correct? Yeah, that would be a great first question. We have a lot more and a lot more coming up. We'll be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.